Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show for our first hour. Joining us are host Tom Dupree, Missy Clifton, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. So this is a song, well, musical arrangement, I should call it, from the very, the either the first, I'm, it's the first album by Led Zeppelin, which got the picture of the dirigible on fire, the Hindenburg, uh, probably came out 6970 um and this song they titled so that was an album that uh garnered a lot of praise and uh the person that it showcased really was jimmy page who just turned 80 who had been with uh jeff back in the yardbirds and you know jimmy page has a very distinct style of guitar play and anybody who's my age who got into rock and roll when he was like 15 listened to a lot of Led Zeppelin because that was what you listened to. You know, they had the very first album, and they had Led Zeppelin 2. Then they had Led Zeppelin 3, which began to change. Then Led Zeppelin 4, and that's the album that had Stairway to Heaven on it. And then I kind of quit listening, as did some people I know. And other songs came out later you know, that were good. Nothing to me. I mean, they had several more albums, but it's kind of like the Rocky movies. You know, the first four you're done. They ended up doing seven or eight of them, but, but in recent years, you know, Led Zeppelin, the band has been sort of accused of plagiarizing. Plagiarizing has kind of gotten to be a big deal in the, in the news here lately. I want to play, you know, I'm not trying to pop anybody's bubble. I'm proud of my own research. Bottom line is I always want you to know what I come up with because I think my opinions are really important. Not everybody agrees, and it's fine. But there's a guy who was a British folk artist, and this is from the folk scene of England sort of back into the 50s and 60s. His name was Bert Yanch. J-A-N-S-H. And this is a very obscure song that he probably did morning, in, the, in the 60s. He's an old-timey British folk guy. But listen, this song's called Black Waterside. Seems very similar to the Led Zeppelin song Black mountainside that I saw nowhere on that album did they give any uh, credit to Bert Yance. All through the fall part of the night we lay in this till this young man arrived That you gave to me So, you know, it's not the purpose of this show to stir up controversy or make it any worse than what it is. About music, anyway. Well, I, I 
just let me tell you something. YouTube and Spotify and these little digital things. Otherwise, I'd be digging through an old album collection trying to find some song that, you know, how am I going to find it if I'm, I'm having to dig through old vinyl LPs and play some song? This thing, give, that's an actually a live performance that somebody taped at one time of Bert Yonch doing that song. And, uh, God. It they, actually has 1.2 million hits. Well, yeah. It's probably hits been on meaning for, people have been on the site listening to the music. His, to his. Yeah. All right. Psalm 63. Oh, God, you are my God. I don't have another one. It's you. I can't go out and make music be my God. I can't make finance be my God. I've tried them all. I'm, <laughs> you're stuck with me, and I'm stuck with you. Earnestly, I seek you. What does earnest mean? It means I'm all in. I've got total skin in the game, and if I fail, I fail. There is a chance for failure, but ultimately not. My soul thirsts for you. What is thirst? That's generally refers to water. So are we saying that my soul's water is God? That's what it sounds like to me. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. What does that seem to say? That seems to say that when I'm searching for spiritual truth that will feed my soul, I am in a land where there is a scarcity of it. That's what that seems to say. Now, this psalm was probably written, I don't know, 3,000 years ago, you know, probably 1,000 B.C., so it sounds like nothing much has changed. They had uh, spiritual scarcity back then. We have it now. What does it say? To me, it says that if I am going to seek spiritual truth, I better be all in, I better be earnest, and I better be prepared for disappointment. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. Okay, verse 3, because your steadfast love is is better than life. If I love my life, the stuff I do, my routines, my clothes, the food I eat, my dogs, my house, the trips I go on, if I love all that stuff better than God, then I'm going to be in trouble because that stuff won't last. Listen, I don't live in a country that's been torn apart by war or horrible natural disasters or famine. I don't live there. Could it ever happen here? Of course it could. 
But today we don't have that. So it's easy for me to become complacent about the things I do have and think, you know, okay, this will always be this way. Not true. Ask somebody from Ukraine. Ask somebody from Nigeria. Ask somebody that used to be sort of a middle-class, upper-middle-class person in Iraq or even Afghanistan, if, that, if such a thing exists. Or South America, Venezuela. Things can go away if, especially if you become complacent. Okay. Has our press, has our uh, executive branch, uh, has our defense department become complacent in this attitude that, well, Americans really aren't looking. Most of them have given up. They don't really care what we do, and we will do what we want to do. Has that happened, Missy Clifton? I'm looking to you for this answer. Are we referring to the um, our Secretary of Defense being what, AWOL? You're the you're the deal here. Well, let's let's talk about it. Were you going to play a, a clip from Peter Ducey? Was that yeah. just to start that start that let's discussion do, off? Okay, let's do that. Yeah. Now you got to listen to the word salad of the guy not answering the question. That's this John is the Kirby, part. the guy who. Uh, John, what kind of commander in chief is President Biden? That at a time when American forces are under fire in the Middle East, he can go days without knowing that his defense secretary is in a hospital bed. Peter, there's a lot to your question, so I want you to bear with me for just a second. Now, first of all, at no time was the ability for the United States military to defend our national security interests compromised. At no time was the commander-in-chief not always in command and control of How would uh, our military forces around the world. And over the course of those days, we did take military action, action that he approved, uh, taking out uh, a senior militia commander in Iraq uh, with what we call a dynamic strike, a strike that he had approved many days before, which, for which the theater commander had full permission to execute. We did shoot down drones. Uh, and missiles in the Red Sea, uh, our ships at sea, because he made sure they had the existing authorities and the capabilities and the training to do that. So uh, he has been on, on, on top of these issues uh, all the way throughout. Now look, what your question kind of gets to is, and I've seen some of the sniping out there, you know, uh, that uh, uh, how effective can the process be if the secretary can be gone and we, and we don't know about it. I think what you need to understand and what I hope people will understand um, is that the national security decision-making process does not require, in fact, should not require, cabinet-level officials being the sole pe people in the room making decisions on any given day. You staff these things from the middle up, and then the cabinet officials, whether it's Secretary Blinken All right. or Secretary Austin, go ahead, put that down. Now, what he just said is, number one, I'm not going to answer the first question you asked. Number two... If where he fills that thing in at the end, well, then why have these cabinet level officials to begin with? If, if you, if the staff has got it all, I mean, and the real question, it really gets to who runs the president's office. <laughs> it's pretty obvious to me. It ain't the president. Well, I mean, well, you know, he, he, have you seen how much vacation he takes? So basically what he's saying is, Hey, we've been doing this at the executive level for a long time. And the country hadn't collapsed. 
why would you be concerned about us doing it in the Defense Department? Yeah, so let's back up for everybody that maybe is not aware of this whole situation and look at the timeline just as a, a brief discussion. On December 22nd, Austin went in for an elective, quote-unquote. It's Lloyd Austin, the Lloyd Austin, Defense Department head. For an elective prostate surgery. Okay. Then on New Year's Day, he had... I just think had, I'll have my uh, prostate I, worked I'm, on. I'm, I'm a little yeah, confused that, about I've, that. I've but, been okay. hearing it's a good idea. Okay. You know. Yeah, December 22nd. Then on New Year's Day, he had a he had a complication and was hospitalized. And then there were other complications that came about, which, you know, that were post-operative. And he was admitted into ICU on January 2nd. Um, and the funny thing is, is that it's, you know, the when I'm looking at this and I'm reading it, I'm like, he apparently didn't even have time that this... His prostate cancer apparently came on so suddenly that he had, what, no time to tell anybody about his diagnosis that, you know, before he went into the surgery that, you know, you might, you know, you might think that it would be something that you would say, you know, to the boss, look, I'm going to be dealing with this and this is the situation. And instead, what I understand is, is that he went in just on his own without telling Biden, he handed off his duties to his underling who was on vacation yeah, she was on she was in puerto rico she and, and so she's managing stuff like from her hotel room now stuff you know hell, i don't even know what that stuff means but i think it's a it's a bigger issue so the story ran biden completely unaware of pentagon chief's prostate cancer until today so nobody knew okay all right let's 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 go back Linda, and say, you, and you're sitting there thinking to yourself, so what? Maybe somebody's listening and they're thinking, so what? Well, let, let's of course look, they are. Let's look That's at half the population of this city, probably sixty percent. Well, let's let's look at an, a nice little story CNN ran, which I was thought I thought to myself, actually, look, that's that's a little bit of reporting, some real reporting. What they did was they quickly went back and looked at in 2003, Secretary of State Colin Powell also had prostate surgery. Okay, and he certainly didn't have the complications that Lloyd Austin did. But the morning of the surgery, the State Department publicly advised that Powell was in surgery at Walter Reed and that he would be there for several days and that he would have a reduced work schedule when he recovered. And and, you know, they diligently went about and the press diligently reported on his his condition. And it was done on a daily briefing. So in other words, this is completely the completely, opposite. Completely, yeah. This this is completely the opposite. And then But it's the Biden administration and it's the kind of press we've got today and it's the Democrats out there that as long as it's not Trump, it's okay. That's what we're dealing with today. So the average person for them, especially if there's if they're a Trump hater, this isn't news. Look the other way because we are stuck with Biden. <laughs> you know, he's going to run for president again. We know he's a disaster, but we'll never let it on because we want worse than anything to not point the finger at Biden and how bad he is. But we want to make sure that Trump doesn't get elected again. And we'll do anything, including cheating and subverting democracy, which we say we're trying to protect. That's what it comes from. You, you're all in with Joe Biden, and this is what you get. Because there's no accountability. If they are accountable, you've got to see how crappy 
this presidency has been. And, you know, you get people, I, I've got friends uh, that are people I know on Facebook within the last three months posting, I think Biden's doing a good job. Wow. Well, yeah. talk about accountability. Um, CBS ran a, a completely separate story uh, just this week as well, and it was headline, Marine Corps Commandant General Eric Smith Recovering from Open Heart Surgery. So, in other words, immediately the Marine Corps, stand, they, they, had a, they issued a prompt statement letting everyone know what was going on, what the situation was, who has taken over in his stead, and then... You know, in, in other words, it's a complete contrast to what the Pentagon did to wait several days to tell the White House and Congress that our defense secretary was hospitalized. Just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, it, it makes perfect sense. It's when things at the highest level are in complete and utter disarray, this is what you come up with. And the only thing I would simply say is this. It is the pure grace of God that we have not had something like this happen when China or somebody is ready to strike us because we are so utterly unprepared with this crowd. And um, it's pitiful. You know, I don't care if you're a Democrat or a Republican. You can't look at this and say this is okay. You can hate Trump all you want. But this kind of thing didn't happen under Trump. It didn't even happen under Obama. I mean, you know, uh, this this is so pitiful, and um, well, it's it's a complete it's just, lack of protocol. Yeah. Well, no, it is it's worse protocol. than that, Missy. It's a breakdown of the whole system. Forget protocol. Protocol gets you in trouble a lot of times <laughs> because it's stupid. <laughs> This is the whole system. This is all the checks and balances in the system. It's all the reportability, the accountability, up and down the line. It is pitiful. And, uh, you know, and they're going to stand by him. I mean, Biden, it isn't Biden saying this stuff. It's the people that are behind him, whether it be Susan Rice or Obama or whoever, you know, they're calling the shots. Biden is sitting uh drooling on himself probably you know wetting his pants i mean he he's not and he's getting worse um it sure in kamala harris <laughs> uh, it, it's none of that stuff how does she do that again i don't know i've, I've heard her laugh we have got compared to a hyena before yeah, it's, the it's, way she looks how does it sound no, go ahead and do it. I'm not going to do it. Yeah, you can do it. I don't have a good. I avoid her at sort all costs. No, try to I a little avoid bit. her Just at all costs. I do. I cannot even imitate her because I will not listen to <laughs> the nonsense. <laughs> like that. Yeah, it's it's not good. It is not. You could do it if you wanted to. You know, I don't want to though. So I to save myself and others, I'm going to close this one out. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Missy Clifton joining us. For this hour, you better you, you better get to talking. You got another minute. I, I figured you would help me. If you'd like to hear more of the Tom Dupree Show, you can go to our website, dupreefinancial.com, and click on the radio tab. We post the podcast after it airs live on 630 WLAP every week. So if you miss an episode, that's where you can find it, and then you can go back and listen to more if you miss something else. 
We appreciate you listening to this first segment. We will be back in just a few minutes with more. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Tom Dupree. A few months ago, we began publicly predicting lower interest rates. At the time, it seemed like a strange thing to predict, given that some of the most well-known names on Wall Street were saying the opposite. Events have proved us correct. If you disregarded our call and kept money in cash and short-term obligations like CDs and money funds, you've left quite a bit on the table. We warned against becoming complacent when the Federal Reserve begins to cut, rates will drop quickly. We were right. To find out what we think the next move is, call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 and make an appointment with us. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and your favorite podcast platform. Such a time as this For such a time as this Are you our help? Are you our hope? At such a time as this Is there before you now a chance you dare not miss Could it be You have come to the kingdom For such a time as this You and I know You're the one to go Before the king Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show. Joining us, our host, Tom Dupree, Missy Clifton. We are powered by Dupree Financial Group. So there's kind of a story behind this song, for me at least. Uh, This is Marty and Misha Getz. Marty on the piano and his daughter, Misha. uh, And this is a song called Esther's Song. Speaking of uh, Esther in the Bible book of esther where she 
goes before the King Mordecai on behalf of the Jewish people. But uh, in the middle of COVID, uh, and I was <laughs> recovering from some stuff of my own, you know, we, I had seen Marty Getz on uh, something, I don't remember what. I think it was just online. You found yeah, him, online. him online. He was doing concerts. And, and everybody was, no, it wasn't, con- well, it was that. He was doing a thing on Tuesday and Saturday nights or Friday nights. Plus, he was also helping this group that was praying for America and playing, the, doing the musical stuff from his house. You know, everybody's locked down. In Nashville? Was it yes. in Nashville? Yes. yes. So, I don't know how I got a hold of him. End up talking to Jennifer, and uh, his Li- wife Elizabeth and I went down there. And the same day, we interviewed him and his wife. We had just gotten the uh, Rotocaster, hadn't had it long, and then we also interviewed a man named Don Fento, F-I-N-T-O, and. Uh, and Don Fento is the spiritual advisor to people like uh, Michael. W. Smith. Yeah. And I can't believe, you know, I can't even get these people to return my phone call now. I don't know how it came, it went through at the time. You, know, you have to be, musicians in Nashville, uh, you got to have to be given permission to speak to them. So, how old is Don Fento now? Oh, he's, now he's in his 90s. Oh, he's well into his he's 90s. He's a different situation, but... Um, Many of them have a very high opinion of themselves. But the point is, it was a certain place in time where every all the rules were kind of suspended. And so uh, it was it was sort of nice. But anyway, Marty gave me uh, a few of his CDs when we left. And uh, this was one of them, their daughter, Misha. So uh, that's just kind of interesting. Um, maybe, who knows, maybe... We'll go through another time where people get more accessible again. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. If no, that's no, what no, we have to go through no. to be accessible, oh, I don't think what? so. <laughs> Let me tell you, a lot of good things came out of that. Oh, Lord. Okay, well. You got to see the upside to things. Okay, so sure. so let's let's finish from the first half. All of us wouldn't be sitting together uh, if it true. hadn't been all that. Um, let's, let's finish from the first half. We were talking about the ineptitude of our top oh. officials. Oh, and I did what want a to. You, this is perfect. This is a perfect segue to me to talk about um, the New York uh, Post ran a story um, just you know this week. COVID six feet social distancing sort of just appeared like they just made it up. So in your pronunciation of COVID, COVID it, does it have COVID. an E instead of an I? I, I just can't even. I, I want to say it as quickly you as possible. You intentionally mispronounce it. Intentionally ah, mispronounce it. All right. Well, it's COVID and med. I think that's yeah. The there's those two things. All right, go med. ahead. You're on so, to something. So, 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 Anthony Fauci, our our famous, I am the science he's guy, kind of a star. Oh my, no, he's gone. You know, and he 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 crawled under the rock that he came out of. Here's a man that was the top White House advisor for the last two administrations, and he has enjoyed his fame like no one else. He sits, he's been, he has been sitting in front and testifying for two days, 14 hours of testimony in front of the coronavirus committee meetings. Just lately? Just this week. This week, Monday and Tuesday. 
Monday and Tuesday, 14 hours that he has said over 100 times, I do not remember. I do not remember. I do not recall. 100 times. This guy, he refuses to admit he did anything wrong. He refuses to admit that students experienced any learning loss from the school lockdowns, says that he absolutely did not tell the schools to close down, says he has no idea where the COVID, you know, the COVID virus came from. It's a big mystery for him. Although, as I said, he was talking about it 2012 to 8, 2019, made a, you know, I mean, this, this guy must be stupid to think that people can't look this stuff up. He thinks we're stupid. And the main thing, which is a part we of this, are. the part of Sorry. this, part of this, this particular story that ran this week, that the six foot distancing, quote unquote, was likely not based on scientific data, aka it means it was made up, just random. Random, six feet. Do you, do you remember all those ridiculous-looking uh, circles out on, uh, you know, places that people where were Biden supposed would, to get into would, their circles? Where Biden would come and speak to uh, eight people that were all in those circles uh, and while Trump was speaking to 50,000, and yet somehow Biden got 81 million votes. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well, and, and I think this is funny. I, I just saw this post uh, a couple days ago, and it was, um, I don't know, did your, your kids... I think most people have seen The Lion King, the original Lion King, the you know the animated version, right? It came out in 1994. It's one of my oh, oldest daughters. Oh, you know, that was when we went favorite. on that Disney cruise. And this big bulky guy. That's right. I remember you told Lion that story. King they had the, those, okay. I said, you're, right. you're so good at this. And he says, thank you. Well, this is, I think this, 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 here was the post. It here was, was the post. It said, remember in The Lion King. Disney all the way back. When Scar cheated to win the title of king. And the pride land was overrun by hyenas, and all the lions lost everything they had built and maintained. Just asking. No. That was, it just reminds me of a lot. I, I thought it was kind of prophetic. All right, moving on. You, you know what's, let me, hold on a minute. What's that? I hadn't heard this. You remember in the Bible where David uh, cheats on his wife with Bathsheba and has a son, uh, Solomon. After that happened, all of Israel followed his rebellious son, Absalom. And basically, it split the kingdom apart. And David, then they had that battle, and Absalom's hair got caught in the tree and it pulled, he had this real long hair, and it pulled him off the donkey that he was riding on, and one of David's men speared him through. David was in bitter grief because of the loss of his son, you know. It's the same thing. You cheat, you build it on cheating, everything falls apart. It's the same thing. What you just said, it happened in the Bible. To Israel, you know, David, oh, King David, man after God's own heart. No, he was a royal screw-up. You know, he, he sleeps with this guy's wife, gets her pregnant, and sends her husband, um, you know, the 
whatever his name, I forgot his name. Anyway, he sends him to the front of the battle so he'll get killed. Got it. Which is what happens. Now, that's a sleazebag. Well, and that's a guy that wrote two-thirds of the Psalms in the Bible. Got it. You know, in other words, anybody can be redeemed. The point is, we're never past the point of no return. Because if we were, there's no reason to do this show. So all these things that you're talking about, yes, you're right. But if people can listen and change their minds and hearts, there's a chance. Well, on on additional news of the strange and weird or sometimes distasteful, I think we mentioned this a couple years ago. There was a... Uriah was his name. Ah. There's a couple years ago that we mentioned on this radio show that one of the one of the most sad results of the cancel culture was that comedians had been <laughs> shut up. You know, that they weren't allowed to do that, you know, I hate to say that back to the wall, you know, take it all the way to the, you know, just the offensive um just no holds barred, gloves off sort of entertainment that people go, you know, to see comedians for, right? Um, or many comedians, you know, many, you know, that's there's many comedians that have that shtick. And it's funny because I was going to ask you, and I did not watch it, but I certainly enjoyed the fallout of the Golden Globes, which it was um, Jim Gaffigan's. Um, he had a little joke that he started out at the beginning and it's funny how immediately everybody went back and was you know was were comparing the Ricky Gervais scathing opening monologue back in 2020 during the height of all this but if you look at that you know uh, Jim Gaffigan he does he cracks this little pedophile joke and he just said something about you know that he was just he was not sure about uh, deserving to be there because he was from Indiana and he said I'm not a pedophile and of course the I think I think there was just like this nervous. Tittering. All right, talk a little bit because you started to get into it. What's that? You think like there's kind of a religious cult? It's not just about enjoying children. It's there's something where these people look at it as a fountain of youth kind of thing. There's oh right there no there there is there's you know, it's like drinking blood of a child. Or right. Something. Well, the whole the whole pedophile and that abortion's tied to it also and abortion is tied to it as well that's right the um the, and they 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 actually believe that it is this perpetuation of youth um and that it's the purest and most spiritual sort of experience sexual experience yes yes and the and that to some degree you know Hillary Clinton has been well, there, some people have said you know she really it's a spiritual deep thing for her abortion she believes in it in a way that you would have to be uh, like a witch or something to believe in it that she's spoken at times before and she gets she talks about it as like a spiritual mission abortion that she somehow derives strength and power from these aborted fetuses or something. There's something very sinister and wicked about it, but she doesn't probably see it that way. She probably sees it as, as, as a life-giving thing. Well, you've kind of jumped over to the real heavy stuff. I was still trying to stay light. Well, well, <laughs> well Missy, I'm going to tell you something. 
You can't flirt around the edges well, with it. This but, is a religion with these people. But, but I think that don't the, you agree? The, the it is yes. Okay. What That's I think I is wanted. the what I think is the Show's interesting over. piece of this Jim Gaffigan. You're just you're getting all of these comments, and so I, it made me go back and look. It at is them. a religion. It I, it made me go back and look at the. I'm trying to be I'm trying to be entertaining and not be heavy here, but that Ricky Gervais opening monologue. This is this is what I thought was interesting. He, he has an interview done in 2020 before he does his monologue. And he says, do I pander to the 200 privileged egos in a room or do I try and entertain a global audience of 200 million people sitting at home who aren't winning awards? And he goes, he said, well, no contest. I'm going to entertain the people. And I try to make it a spectator sport and I try to play it like the outsider, which, of course, you know, I've got to appreciate that. And that was his last gig and he knew it. He knew he was going to... The end of his monologue, I loved his life. You know, this is the one that he said, um, you know, he's talking about, you know, he's he's talking about Netflix is is winning all the awards. And then he goes on, he says, yeah, there's this show and it's about a man who wants to kill himself because his wife dies of cancer and it's still more fun than this. Gosh, spoiler alert, guys, season two is on the way. So in the end, he obviously didn't kill himself, just like Epstein shut up. He says, I know he's your friend, but I don't care. That's what he said during the open monologue. His ending statement was, which I love, he said, so if you do win an award tonight, don't use it as a platform to make a political speech. You're in no position to lecture the public about anything. You know nothing about the real world. Most of you spent less time in school than Greta Thunberg. <laughs> that's, that's how that's he ended his thing. But it does bring up the Epstein thing. As I said, I was trying to stay light. But- Let me tell you something. Epstein is not about Epstein. It, That's right. Let, That's right. You know, one of the things that I learned in this business, let's talk about just selling, you know, the services of our company. It's not about you. If I take you to lunch, it's about your friends. A better referral for me is if you said something nice about me. I, w- I remember I went around after this guy for years because I thought he was going to give me his business. And he appreciated it. He couldn't do business with me. He referred to me his brother-in-law that was three times as big as he was. And by by means of referral, it was a bigger story than, than him. Now, Epstein points to a bigger Epstein is is basically he's like the the lightning rod but the stuff behind him is bigger and worse it's a ref, it's a referral to what's really going on in a big way and Epstein is kind of like the guy at the door he was like the doorkeeper you know sort of the 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 greeter at the club but the real patrons of the club are way bigger than Epstein. See, he's a guy that, that's he's like a pimp, obviously, a procurer, shall we say, in a nicer way. He's the procurer of services. The story is never that. The story is the clients. Okay. I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up because interesting in how many things that Epstein was involved in, which came across this really fascinating. So with this data drop that's all happening with the, you know, Epstein documents, and by the way, anybody that's kind of curious, you can, you can go online and put in courtlistener.com, 
and you can see it's a it's kind of a freedom uh, you know opportunity for people to look at cases that are being heard or you know being that are you know documented so that you can look at them and it's one of the in the some of the documents so n- now we know this this blows my mind Epstein was hosting scientific conferences on his little islands one of them where 21 of the top world scientists attended, including three Nobel Prize winners, and of course, the one that's really just getting up in everybody's, uh, you know, they're on their, their radar, was notable physicist Stephen Hawking in his wheelchair with all these little girls around him. You know, um, let me tell you something. Well, what in the world is he hosting a science conference? And it was interesting. Have you ever you ever read the play Doctor Faustus? It's about the guy that sells his soul, you know, to the devil. And what does he get? He gets basically immortality. There are so many. I'll just say this for me: there's so many places in this business over the years I could have sold out to something bigger, and I didn't do it. And I've stayed here in Lexington, Kentucky. When you decide you're going to be in league with the powers of darkness, everybody will flock to you because they are nothing in most cases, if not followers, I don't care how high they are, original ideas and being resistant to uh, the going way of doing things is very hard to find. That's why we're doing a radio show in a conference room in a little backwater of Lexington, Kentucky, and and we don't have a syndicated radio show because we, you know what I mean. It's like this stuff; it's a little too hot for most people to handle. You know what I'm saying? I mean, let's just be honest about it. I think we produce first class stuff, but ain't anybody gonna be picking us up soon? What? Because you use that word ineptitude, and you got to be careful there. <laughs> I have to be careful about the word ineptitude. It's a joke. Who you're talking about? It's a joke. Well, well, back to the 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 Epstein thing. All I wanted to say was that you're to 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 answer your question to answer about Epstein, you'd have to know who's running Epstein. Epstein was a moron. That's what I'm saying. He's he, not and, the story. And he was ultimately disposable. So that what is the hell? that's not. That's and what's her what's her name? She's Gislaine still alive. Maxwell. And why in the world they just didn't offer a plea deal because no one wants to know who's on that list. Done. Yeah. Well, because the right people behind that. the whole thing are on the list. It, it's, it is so big, and it is, I think, so politically linked to personal opinion. That's a wrap for the first hour. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show with our host, Tom Dupree and Missy Clifton. Don't look our, at me. I ain't, in, I ain't on no list. I didn't get I didn't say that. anything about you being on Smiling. any list. I'm trying to do a wrap-up. Stay tuned for the financial hour. It's coming up next. We'll be back in just a few minutes. And we're powered by Dupree Financial Group. For such a time as this, you and I know you're the one who.